Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. We're back after a bit of a break. Sorry I left you guys in the dark for so long, but don't worry. I was still doing volleyball-related stuff. It'll all make sense in a while. But today I am joined by Rob, great commentator of our sport. Rob, how you doing? Great, Dan. Good to be back. Got a lot of volleyball to talk about. Yes, we do have a lot of volleyball to talk about. Norseka, Eurovolley. World Cup, three pretty major tournaments that have happened in the month of September and beginning of October. Definitely a busy period in the world of volleyball. Yeah, so since we last really podcasted, we now know who's qualified for the Olympics, but there's been a whole like back half of the international summer that's taking place that we haven't really gotten to yet. So yeah. I think the first, the first one chronologically that happened was European championships. Well, the it's actually Norseka was the uh, first one happening at the beginning of, of uh, September. Oh, it was Norseka first. And, and, uh, and then we went into Eurovolley. So Norseka, unfortunately, my Canadians didn't really get the result they were looking for there. No, hosted in Canada. I know. Yeah, thanks. Shout out to, uh, I believe it was Winnipeg for hosting a great mm-hmm. tournament there. Yeah, I watched a lot of those matches. Uh, it was interesting to see the team's roster choices, as has been yeah. a theme all summer long, of course. Uh, but for those of you that didn't follow along, Cuba walks in and wins the gold medal in that tournament over the USA in the finals. Uh, Cuba beat Canada in the semifinals. Canada placing bronze over Mexico in the bronze medal game. Yeah. And that uh, semifinal match between Cuba and Canada. Sorry, Rob. I think that was the uh, the true deciding match of the tournament. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. The the U.S. definitely brought a B team to that tournament. Nobody. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody over the age of twenty five. Uh, Mike Ma'a, Brendan Sander, T.J. DeFalco, uh, Jeff Gendrick, um, who played opposite Kyle Ensing, played opposite Kyle, Kyle D'Agostino, LaBerra. A lot of lot of youth just like and i mean still not a bad team like i very good Falco team. and jeffrey Jendrick are still two you know pretty good players at their positions but but uh you know good result for the u.s coming in second place yeah the u.s actually beaten cuba in pools right uh, but then yeah. was unable to beat him again in the gold medal match that like yeah as if for us usa fans a lot of us didn't even know that tournament was happening because you <laughs> know that our uh, that our a squad wasn't there yeah. uh, it was fun to see the guys like the the just out of college age guys get some touches against some pretty good competition that was cool it was a part where we didn't actually get to play canada at all that tournament yeah too bad because that's always a really uh really fun, that's always a fun match one. to watch but i i think we got to see some decent stuff from guys like mitch Saul, d'agostino who i think you know is going to be a big part of the program going forward I like d'agostino libero yeah. out of stanford uh he saw a little bit of vnl time this year uh there's the U.S. is doing some weird stuff at Libero <laughs> behind Eric Shoji, who's among the best in the world. Everything else behind that is is weird and complicated. But uh, yeah. D'Agostino, young, scrappy, talented, I think he could be there for a little while to be the backup guy replacing like the kind of aging Dustin Watton. Yeah, uh, I well, like. It seems TJ like Dustin Watton is uh, going to be going to be out of the program pretty much. It looks like. Uh, yeah, I don't think he'll be brought to uh, to Tokyo in twenty twenty. Looks like. I imagine no, well, the goal one libero again. Definitely only one libero that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given that, if you, if you don't know, Olympics is a uh, twelve-man roster rather than the fourteen-man roster that we're used to. Yeah, that's going to be so, really interesting to talk about as like for the teams that have already qualified and for the teams that are trying to qualify in January, like taking their comfortable fourteen-person rosters down to twelve. Like, yeah. there's already been talks about what, how the U.S. is going to do with that. So. Yeah, which we, I, I'm actually would like to hear your thoughts on that, but maybe save it when for uh, when we're talking about the World Cup a little later on. Okay, sure. Um, so, uh, give me your thoughts on Canada's Norseka really quick, and then what you thought about Cuba winning that tournament. Uh, Canada's Norseka, you know, obviously would have liked a gold medal. You know, playing at home, sending uh, pretty much our A team lineup. Fortunately, it didn't really go the way we wanted it to. But I have to say Cuba was spectacular uh, in this Cuba tournament. was great. Yeah. We Cuba saw, was great. We saw, I think they played even better than I think anyone expected. We saw maybe some signs of this uh, earlier throughout the summer with the uh, that tournament, the uh, VNL qualifying tournament. I forget what it's called. 
but you know the one I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but one guy, Lopez. The yeah, uh, dude. That, that guy, kid's got an arm yeah. in a big way. Also, uh, notably, Robert Landy Simone yes. in that tournament. And that was up the here other. That was the Cuba. other big one. I mean, adding probably a top two middle to, to any team is is going to make a huge difference, and and it really did here. Uh, and I, I like their other middle too, uh, Alonzo. Yeah, I think, I think he's a super athletic guy. We saw he he might have he looked like he had a pretty serious injury in that uh, VNL qualifying tournament that I was referring to. But man, he is bouncing back, <laughs> athletic and as ever. It's just like his. It's like the same thing in a different decade for Cuba. It's yeah. amazing that these young, raw, phenomenal athletes. Mm -hmm. Their 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 on court demeanor is so unique to me. Like they're. <laughs> they don't really control the ball that well. They don't really no. run the offense all that fast. No, no, not at all. But they they hit serves from the service line and out of system swings that most teams on average in the world just can't do. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The yeah, they really they're, unique, they're right? in the yeah. water in Cuba, man. And they're just like I don't know. Watching them in Norsicas, they won that gold medal and never seemed to really get excited about no. the game. Have you noticed that too? Because yeah, that's even a they, thing that I noticed like back when they got silver in the world championships in 2010, like yeah. when Will Flater Leon was still there. They're just like don't they don't, don't react know. either way. They don't react. <laughs> they don't react. Yeah. Maybe that's a maybe that's a a thing that speaks to their maturity as a team, but I don't know. I'd like to see a little more maybe fire from the guys, yeah, it, but it's not it's not like they're not performing at the highest level. No, that's they are. Sure. But I think it does impact them on defense a bit. Because I do see I if, if, if one complaint about Cube I have is that you know, they let a lot of balls drop that other teams, maybe like especially teams like Brazil and Argentina that would run through a wall for Cuba, just kind of, they let it drop. It didn't totally. impact him too much in this tournament, but but uh, I would like to shout out Volleyball Source YouTube channel. If you haven't seen oh, uh, if you haven't awesome. seen it, yeah, oh, run by one of my awesome. friends, Everett, who's been on this podcast before, but yeah, Everett's his great. Norseka highlights are incredible. Everybody, he's got a couple million views on some of his videos in the past. If you've ever seen, uh, he's got some from like 2015 Norsecas that have over a million views because yeah. the view from like ground level looking right at the net mm -hmm. is such a cool vantage point to watch volleyball from. Uh, yeah. When I commentate, that's where I prefer to sit. Yeah, and when, like, pe when people take data volley like stats, that's where they prefer to sit. It's mm -hmm. awesome how much you can see from that angle and Everett posted like a 10, 11, 12 or so minute highlight video from pretty much every match of Norseekas on his channel. So yeah. absolutely, volley volleyball source, go check that out. Definitely worth it, an uh, afternoon, evening binge watch of all those videos. I just um, did some of that today. Yeah, so I guess we can talk a bit about, you know, January, USA obviously already qualified, winning the yep. Olympic qualifying tournament. But Phew. yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, after everything that's going down. But Cuba, Canada, that's going to be, I mean, really, it's a story to Mexico and uh, Guatemala, whoever else may be in. But no, it's a two horse race and everybody kind of knows Dominican it. Dominican Republic, too. But yeah, for sure, a two horse race between Cuba, Canada. I still think I would favor Canada, but after after seeing Norseek, I think I might just lower it to like a 55 45. Yeah, or something. the stakes obviously as high as they can possibly be. Uh, that date and venue has been announced, right? We know it's going to be in Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. Um, Sweet. So, anyone who's on the West Coast, North Northwest Coast, maybe worth a uh, a trip to see. Uh, if you're a big Canadian volleyball fan, I know there's pretty big volleyball scene in Vancouver, so I think it's a good choice of venue, and certainly will help the Canadians a bit playing mm -hmm. at home. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. It's kind of an awkward timing in January, you know. It is a really awkward timing, and that's going to be something that we'll talk about with yeah. all the teams that are still trying to qualify for the Olympics. Because after World Cup just ended, like, last night, yesterday, uh, everyone's now dispersed across the world to their club teams. And they're right. going to have to take some hiatus from those club teams to come back, do a little bit of national team training, and then go try and qualify for Tokyo. So mm -hmm. that's going to be really interesting in the calendar. And it's especially awkward for the Canadians because I believe almost all of our players play in Europe other than Gord Perrin playing in South America. Uh, rather than Cuba, who a lot of them still play in Cuba, are a little closer to home, and a lot of them play in Argentina, which is also That's true. a little closer. Yeah, so a bit of awkward timing for that tournament, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully Canada can pull it out, go to the Olympics, and uh, I think that's it for Norseka. Norseka yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then our second interesting uh, continental qualifier, or continental championship, because, you know, 
Iran won the Asian Championships. Uh, I believe Cameroon or Tunisia won the African Championships. I think Cameroon did, but honestly, I don't even know. And I, no offense, but I don't particularly care who won that continent. Uh, So let's talk about Eurovolley. Yeah. Definitely some interesting results in that tournament. Man, were there ever for... I was so annoyed that I couldn't like watch any of those live. Uh, Flow volleyball in the U.S. had the medal matches, right? Uh, so I was able to watch those, but none of the none of the things from pools and none of the stuff from early on in brackets. So I was just like following along the scoreboards on the internet. Yeah. Uh, but some some serious storylines. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with the winners: Serbia. Yeah. Serbia winning the 2019 European Championships. Yeah, so Serbia has been to what it feels like a million. Fi- they're always in the top four. They're always in the semifinals. Yeah. Yep. But for, they always just uh, come up short near the semifinals or the finals. But they finally put together with a very impressive, awesome win. One of the best games of the tournament, I think, against France. 3-2 in the semis. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that was a crazy match. And, you know, France playing at home in front of a, uh, it was something like thirteen or 14,000 people in the... Uh, Accor Hotels Arena in Paris. Mm-hmm. So pretty, and pretty got big smoked in set five, fifteen seven. Yeah. I, I just pulled up the Eurovolley results. Yeah. yeah, that that match was spectacular. Euros uh, Kovacevic MVP of that tournament. Yeah, I think well deserved. I think everyone yeah. it is either him or Atanasevich. Yeah, but but I think Kovacevic was a little more consistent uh, throughout the whole thing. I yeah, just impressive all around performance. That team has some big time hitters like do they ever yeah yeah Stresko Lisanach uh easily top five middle in the world mm-hmm. uh, Marco Pedrashin another favorite middle of mine uh, Atanasievich when he's on you've seen him in Perugia can be among the best opposites in the world mm-hmm. uh Kovacevic an MVP caliber performance uh I like the reinsertion of Nemanja Petric like a veteran right. older left side hitter in the L2 spot for them yeah, because we saw a uh, bit of a mix between him and Ivovich. Ivovich, yeah. Kind of who had like a hot hand. But... Pretty much, which is smart coaching from Nikola Gerbich, but like, and a, like a serviceable setter in Libero, and that was just kind of it. It's, uh, I don't think it's Nikola Gerbich anymore. Is it not? I didn't it's, know. It's uh, Slobodan Kovac, I believe. Oh, Kovac, Kovac is back in the homeland, yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. So I guess good, good win for him and is kind of one of his first uh, <laughs> jaunts with the national team. Yeah, impressive. The thing is, like, I've always found it really interesting how big of a deal the European Championships are. Mm-hmm. But Serbia, having won the European Championship, still not qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, and yeah I know, right? You know that they are not that they are not happy about that because they also missed the Olympics in 2016. Yeah, so they're going to be desperately fighting in the January European qualifiers, which are taking place in Germany. Yep, with some but some very tough competition. Because France will be there as well, you know. It's and Slovenia, the, yeah, Cinderella <laughs> so, team Slovenia. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the biggest single surprise of the entire tournament was Slovenia over Poland, three right. one oh, in the semifinals. Definitely, I think even in Slovenia Slo- in Ljubljana, like that's that's a big advantage. But uh, Slovenia absolutely out kind of outkicked their coverage to use a football term. Yeah, for uh, sure in this tournament like really I, I could not believe when i saw the score just couldn't believe it mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i think a lot of it and i'm sorry slovenia like they played well definitely tina and out clement uh, uh Cibulj, mm-hmm. incredible players their Big middles Aaron jan, jan, jan kosmernik i think yep. kind of had a bit of a breakout tournament uh he was on the dream team and i think he's being you know put into that realm of maybe like top top 20 middle and i think he deserves it but yeah, I think Poland that was their loss more than Slovenia's win. I agree. Yeah, Poland Poland kind of coasted through the tournament up to that point like they had no problem whatsoever in pools. Yeah. No, they were laughing and joking throughout the entire oh, thing yeah. kind of just like well, how come we have to play 5 games to get to the playoffs, but you know. <laughs> but then like yeah, that can be a test of your, you know, being able to flip a switch on your competitive edge and right. it looked like they walked into Slovenia to play against Slovenia and were like floored by the crowd and the Slovenian energy mm-hmm. and they just didn't really have it that match. And you know the Polish fans will tell you about the the whole airplane incident where they uh, kind of got stranded uh, at the airport 
uh, traveling to the arena and then they thought they had to travel just for the match. But at the end of the day, like they still had a, a vastly more talented team. I still think they're easily the best European team. Uh, just having watched them so much, especially with Wilfredo Leon is basically as good or if not better as advertised. Um, so I think I think they still have a very good shot at the Olympics, but at least this shows that they're they're definitely beatable. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was it was a big deal for somebody to dethrone Poland from winning this tournament. They were mm-hmm. like clearly the favorites going in, um, and really good for Slovenia. They are not going to be an easy out in the European qualifiers in January and in VNL next summer. Yeah, now VNL, that they have so... graduated to the Group One level. Yeah, so great job for Slovenia. But and then we haven't even mentioned their win against Russia. To get yeah, to that, point, that, right? was, that was huge too. Russia, man, Russia's so weird. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll, I'll talk about this in a little bit in World Cup too because they, they didn't bring an A team, but they were also very disappointing in that tournament. Yeah. They win VNL for the second year in a row. And, and then, both of us were at that game. Yes, we were. Yeah, we were both and... in VNL finals when they looked like straight up untouchable. I they looked believe so, how good they looked. <laughs> they looked unbelievably good. They're, they're spectacular. And then last year they go to World Championships and severely underperform. This year right. they go to Eurovolley and severely underperform. Uh, I just I can't figure that out. I, I don't know what it is about that. Yeah, you you'd think it must be psychological at that point because we've seen them play you know top tier elite volleyball and then it, like the, if you go player by player like Dmitry Volkov, Igor Kliuka, uh, Dmitry Mizerski, uh, yeah, Volotev, like oh man, the, Maxim Mikhailov, uh, any setter you want, really. That 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 uh, that outside hitter duo, Igor Kliuka, Dmitry Volkov, will probably be the best in the world for literally the next ten years. Yeah. Those guys are both under twenty years old. It's amazing mm-hmm. how good those two guys are. Igor Kliuka looked like the best player in the world at VNL Finals. He like, did, yeah. Really I was, I was with, saying he's this guy's, you know, he's going. This into guy's that the truth. Wilfredo yeah. Leon, Irvin Engapet, like kind of territory of like yeah, he was amazing. like around there, Taylor Sander. Yeah, and then they show up last year to World Champs and this year to Eurovolley with mostly the same team. Actually, they even added yeah. some key pieces. You think and they, they just added don't get the job Buko done. And, uh... and Mikhailov. Yeah. And they just don't get the job done. I just can't figure that out. I, It it could be a, like a federation-wide like priority shift. If they're, if they're putting all of their eggs in the VNL basket every summer, then they're just not doing it correctly. And I think yeah. everyone in the volleyball world could agree on that. I, there, I can't see that being the case, but for no, some reason, you, I think you saw like these throughout the group phase. They did, they weren't playing their stars every time. No, yeah, and arguably they didn't bring, they didn't even bring Mazursky and Mikhailov to the tournament. This that's year. true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So that I don't know something about the, the last two VNLs has really brought the best out of Russia, and then that second half tournament of the summer, whatever it is. It's well, just a totally different story. I think, I think we can be sure of one thing with Russia. They will be sending like their D team to VNL next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no question about they, that. They cannot win that tournament. No. <laughs> they cannot win. No, it's, no, It's like no. a curse for them right now. No, it might be even worse than the team they sent to World Cup this past couple of weeks, yeah. which was really bad. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more things before we move on to World Cup about Eurovolley. Uh, I think we saw maybe a, a couple stars in the making here. One guy who who's been on my radar for a while. I have people messaging me all the time about him. Adis Lagunzija of Turkey. Mm-hmm. The, the, you told me about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he broke he broke out. You were you were absolutely spot yeah. on. Yeah, the leading Showed scorer of the entire tournament. Elite level point scorer. Yeah, I believe it was thirty nine or forty points in one game. Like he is, he has such good body control in the air and so powerful. Yeah, just yeah, got a long career ahead of him. Yeah. See if he can elevate turkey to more of a national team presence than they've mm-hmm. had in the last decade mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh also noteworthy france beating italy twice uh in pools and in bracket right yeah well france i mean they looked like france and poland were both basically unbeaten until they lost like, right <laughs> until they both lost in the semis and yeah. then that uh that bronze medal match was a 3-0 for poland i think france didn't have much to play for anymore even though yeah. playing at home but uh yeah, France forcing Serbia to the fifth set and then just getting washed in the fifth and the yeah. semifinals. That was really interesting. And I think Stefan Boyer, you know, had a good tournament. Tani Yudi, I love Tani Yudi, but he was definitely getting exposed. He was getting exposed. He, yeah. uh, Tani Yudi, I don't know what his official height is on the roster, but by far the shortest of any, like, 
A-level setter in the world and just getting abused in the front row. Well, there might be Opposing... one shorter that we'll talk about later on in, in the podcast, but yeah. Okay, I, I have a feeling I might know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but France, I, I don't know. I mean, this is the group they have. This is a group they're going to use for in January and maybe in the Olympics if they qualify. Irvin Engapit, I think, played incredibly in that semifinal series. Oh, until he was the, great. Until the fifth set. Until the fifth great set. great until set five. But he, I mean, they wouldn't have. It would have been a three-set match if he hadn't played like that. So I think they need. I think they need. I mean, their second outside hitters are, in theory, are really strong players. You know, and I think. Uh, yeah, had... I am not a Trevor Cleveno fan. I am not a believer of his. I uh, am. I, I know you are. <laughs> I am just. I don't know. I'm just not a believer of his. I think it should be Thibaut Rosard. Yeah. And or Kevin Tilly, depending on matchup. I was going to say, everyone seemed to get a look except for Thibaut Rosard. He was the guy that they really didn't put in under any circumstances. Which is really too bad. Uh, yeah. I actually thought that he was going to be the future at the opposite position for France until yeah. Boyer appeared after, uh, yeah. what was their old opposite name? Uh, Rousier's retirement. Rousier, Antoine Rousier, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Rosard, a left-hander, obviously. Yeah. One of my favorite serves in the world. Oh, yeah. Incredibly powerful. Uh, so Yeah, I think you're right. France needs to figure out that L2 spot just a little bit. Um, yeah. But so f- to kind of wrap up the European Championships, all these teams battling okay. it out for. I just added one more young. Okay, yeah. A couple, one more story. Ukraine. Yeah. I don't know if how much you were following, but you know they did very well in their uh, second place in their pool, beating the Netherlands, and you know making it uh, kind of far in the. I believe they won their first round match in the playoffs. They did, then lost 3-2 to Serbia. Yeah. Uh, really so good performance for the Ukraine. gave Serbia one of their biggest uh, <laughs> biggest runs of the entire uh, tournament. Oleg Potnitschki, I think, if you were a volleyball hardcore fan, as you probably are if you're listening to this, you knew him <laughs> uh, on Monza the last couple of years with Donovan Zavaranuk. Uh, you know, clearly a star in the making, one of the best servers in volleyball. Stunning athlete. Like, Yeah, that- how old is that kid? Like 20? uh yeah 90 i think he's a 97 so, so he's 20, 22 yeah. 22 so but yeah unbelievable athlete playing for perugia next year so that'll be really fun yeah heck of a tournament for ukraine that's but uh, then we saw uh, their opposite dimitro vietsky who was i don't think was really on anyone's radar not definitely wasn't on mine uh so i think ukraine you know uh yuri semeniuk their middle also mm-hmm. a young guy so maybe a dangerous team to watch in the uh in the years to come yeah, the Ukraine uh, beating Belgium 3-2 in Belgium in their uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, first yeah, round exactly. of bracket. Well, yeah, yeah. De- definitely a notable performance. The uh, Germany also is worth a little bit worth mm-hmm. talking about because uh, Jurgi Grozer was back. Mm-hmm. Well, it, one of my very favorite players in the world. That guy just can't seem to decide if he wants to play for Germany or if he yeah. doesn't. He like retires and unretires every year. He's been he's in like all-star opposite that's played all over the world it's still uh, a very good player he's amazing and i think if he plays in january you know germany definitely a dark horse hosting for for, uh yeah exactly hosting the tournament dark horse to make to make the olympics all right so yeah and so the the olympics was what i wanted to talk about about europe so after all this after all this european stuff all all this tournament that everybody brought their a rosters to didn't give out any Olympic qualifiers. Uh, Russia is qualified. Poland is qualified. Italy is qualified. Uh, past those three teams, there can only be one more European team. And which is Serbia. Crazy. Just so just, it's a crime. It's a crime against volleyball. Uh, we've already complained about that before. Yes. Uh, Serbia, France, Slovenia, maybe Germany, everybody else in Europe fighting for one spot that will be handed out in Germany in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's going to be extremely competitive. Uh, probably Serbia, France. Uh, one of those two teams will take it, but we'll see between Slovenia and Germany and you know Turkey. There's there's a lot of a lot of very good teams, but definitely it's really too bad that the Olympic field will be missing either France or Serbia. I know it's just not fair, especially given who we're going to get in uh, coming in South America. <laughs> ah, terrible. I think yeah, sixteen teams would be just make this so much better. 16 teams would be fine or just to substantially <laughs> reweight the way that qualifiers yeah. are given out yeah. continentally and stuff for sure and then uh our tournament which did not give out any olympic qualifications which has in the past but our uh, world cup yes world cup in tokyo uh, just finished either yesterday or the day before i think it was yesterday yeah 
Uh, Brazil sweeping through the tournament eleven and zero. So the way that tournament works, it's twelve teams. Uh, each team just plays a straight up eleven match round robin. It's eleven matches in fifteen days. It's an incredibly yeah. grueling schedule. The players will all be the first to tell you about how difficult it is physically on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually is the first Olympic qualifier of the quad. Um, last quad it was the USA and Poland taking bids from that tournament, but since I talked about it in the last podcast I was at, since that tournament's always in Japan, uh, next year's Olympics are in Japan, Tokyo is, or sorry, Tokyo, Japan is qualified for the Tokyo Olympics, Japan playing in the World Cup, therefore that can't be an Olympic qualifier because they're already qualified for the Olympics. That's the, the short explanation of why. So basically they're just playing a World Cup for heck of it. Yeah. And uh, every, every team had a very different approach strategically, roster-wise, to the World Cup, uh, but it was Brazil bringing the A squad and um, starting most of their top players for most matches, going 11 and 0 and winning the gold. Yeah, I mean, this is the Brazil we've seen fairly yep. recently that has been one of the top teams of the world, especially since you know they've kind of figured out who uh, who's playing well for them. Some of their younger players like Doug Souza and Cachopa and of course, we've got, to talk, we've got to talk about Alan, Alan Souza. Alan Souza, the MVP of the tournament, uh, maybe the heir apparent to Wallace at the opposite position. Oh, I think he definitely is. I mean, we've seen a bit of him. Like he's been a pretty major player on uh, Cesi Sao Paulo yeah. the last couple of years. So he's not he's not necessarily coming from nowhere. But this is definitely right. Yeah, like no his... stranger to the big stage. I, I it was by by no means my first time hearing of him. But the guy. but he's he hasn't really featured a huge amount on Brazil, just because no. Wallace has been. Yeah, well, they had Evandro as the backup up right. for a yeah, while. Exactly. He, kind of, he aged out. Wallace, uh, they've had Raynan Buyati, who's like a seven foot yeah. two left hander. Some, some uh, seven foot two somehow can never hit, hit above forty percent. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Allen, not not an exceptionally tall dude. Uh, and he, I think he's twenty five. He's my age, born in ninety four. Mm-hmm. Uh, showed up absolutely balled out, won MVP of the tournament. Uh, there's a play that if you haven't seen, you absolutely have to go watch. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, you, He's in rotation four, like standing in right in the very, very deep right back corner, and he gets a serve, a jump serve that might be going out of bounds, might yeah. be going in. He just kind of sticks out his right foot at it, and a perfect pass yeah, off the inside of his right foot, right to Bruno, one handed set to the outside, and pounded down the line. One of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen. I I think probably the the most ridiculous, either that or Jean Patry's uh, oh that, the the net one, but two, that was yeah. a masterpiece. But yeah, yeah, I, I love that his foot and passing the nail. It was crazy. Yeah. I love that they. Uh, I think it was Mauricio Borges that finished yeah. the play though, yeah, because yeah. that that just makes it so much better that they immediately got the point. But I think that play kind of encapsulates what the tournament was like for Brazil. A lot of, I mean, considering how many games they had to play, they were in pretty good spirits the whole time. They were crushing they were. teams. They were, you know, yeah, they were they were destroying teams. They beat the <laughs> USA three zero. They, uh, I think they beat Poland three zero. Can't remember. They were destroying teams. And, they. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the uh, celebration videos that have kind of been people talking about the last mm-hmm. couple of days. <laughs> yeah, I think Lucas Satcamp who, who can barely keep his eyes open at the. Uh, <laughs> Lucas the is funny. Team. Yeah, uh, if Lucas you guys haven't is seen the guy. This, cool yeah, Lucas is the guy who looks like the Gasol brothers of the NBA. Oh yeah, dead ringer for Marc Gasol. No That's doubt. Crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they were they were having fun with it. I think yeah. Brazil definitely is continuing their dominance after I think I said maybe prior to the world championships that oh I don't know about Brazil they you know they've got all these injuries most of their players are old but yeah don't be too quick to jump back on the Brazil bandwagon yet I mean reigning Olympic champions we know their volleyball culture but this was a tournament that the there just weren't the stakes just weren't there the stakes for winning this tournament just weren't there there were not Olympic bids on the line uh, there really wasn't anything in particular on the line, but they credit to them. They showed up. They were all on the same page with mm-hmm. how they were going to mentally and physically attack that tournament. They went and they got the job done 11 and 0. Poland in second place with 9 and 2, 28 points. Uh, USA 9 and 2, 27 points. So that was your podium. I was a bit surprised about the roster that the Americans sent. Me too. Yeah. I, I, I expected, you know, some of the A team guys to be there, but to have. You know, pretty much everyone. everyone. Yeah, everyone but Taylor Sander, who has a, like a very minor shoulder injury and just took the tournament off. V- very minor sh- shoulder injury. It's. Uh, I-, I believe he is missing the entire season, club season. 
<laughs> I think it's a little more than minor. Just trying not to think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'll be fine. He's taking the season off to rehab. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we need him desperately. It was uh, actually a nice trial period for Olympic roster spots. I think that was yeah, yeah, a yeah. very pragmatic use of this tournament for a lot of teams is to figure out how to pair their rosters from 14 down to 12. Those who have qualified the Olympics and those are still trying to do so, I think putting putting players in who might be at the end of the bench in the Olympics against other Olympic caliber rosters mm-hmm. is a big deal for coaches to figure their stuff mm-hmm. out that way. So that was at least one use for still sending yeah. a caliber player. And we to got the to Cup. see uh, a lot more of our favorite guy, Garrett Magututia. Yeah, yeah, Garrett stepping up started. Yeah more than half the matches played in almost all the matches and played really, really well. Yeah. Uh, I watched almost all the USA matches. Uh, Garrett looked great. Yeah. Passing I the mean, ball, great. Uh, I, available I still, on the big, defending, uh, I still think hitting he's, smart he's, shots. He definitely struggles in attacking still compared to you know, some of his uh, fellow wing spikers. Yeah, he's so, not going to be hitting over 250 against three-man blocks or anything like yeah. that. Uh, but he's going to be using blockers. Gonna yeah. be, did some nice cuts four to four. Did some nice work out of the bic. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the main things is that he's so he's actually that's probably one of his best uh, best hits is that back row run for sure. Uh, so you know that's something everyone in the USA pretty much has to be able to run if you're if you're playing a outside hitter. So yeah, like, huge part of our offense, of course. Um, I was just talking to someone about this today about the potential US Olympic roster. If they weren't planning on having Garrett seriously compete for a spot in that roster, they would not have brought him back this year. Yeah, those of you don't know this guy's story, he's I think he's 32, 33 mm-hmm. or so. Uh, he last really saw action in the 2014 World League that the USA yeah. won. Almost seemed um, to disappear off the face of. Uh, he really did disappear off the face of the earth. Part of that is because he played in East Asia. He played in China yeah. for a couple of years, and, and I watched him play just on Portugal. Really get any pub. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was there for a year. Yeah, and he looked he looked fine, but you know, maybe even I can't say I expected him to be back competing at this level. Me neither. I really didn't either. Uh, I I just kind of assumed that Reed Pretty's retirement would open TJ to Falco's spot. Yeah, I think that's what everyone assumed. I think everyone assumed that. Uh, but yeah, Magatutia getting a ton of touches on the national team this summer. And for anybody who thinks that he has no chance making the Olympic team, no, it's just a waste. No, that, that is not how Spira runs his program. Yeah. That that guy is very strongly in the mix mm-hmm. for the Olympic roster. Yeah. I think he he bolstered his resume and he did himself a lot of favors in how he played in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think DeFalco played uh, pretty well at Norseka too. But as you know, there's been I'm not too too invested in the USA volleyball, but I've heard some uh, attitude rumors and things like that but i also think... i've heard the same his his, uh, his mentality is has been a thing throughout his career um i've seen him play in a handful of different settings in real life i saw him play uh for long beach shade against loyola where mm-hmm. he was very clearly the best player in the gym mm-hmm. he knew it the other team knew it his teammates knew it everybody knew it and uh at norseka's it was kind of the same deal uh he that i think i felt that attitude from him a little bit versus i've also seen him play on the national team like in his first couple of years like with the yeah, national he's like, been a, a, a team oh yeah he's been there he's gotten his yeah. fair share of playing time and it's just a completely different mindset approach for him he's trying to kind of like emotionally attitude wise stay out of the way do his job mm-hmm. control the ball take his opportunities mm-hmm. um it's it's really different for him and i i give him credit on how he suggested to do it so far but uh yeah, yeah some of the things that i've heard about his attitude aren't always perfect. So um, he's so young. He's, he's just out of college. Guy, he's got to have an incredible career ahead of him. And if he doesn't, if he is not picked for Tokyo, uh, it's by no means the end of his national team career. Uh, but I think everybody, you were right, kind of just assumed that he was going to be that fourth guy. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Magazatia making a strong case. Uh, Thomas Jeschke, the other. It's too bad he got injured. Likely uh, outside. So, yeah, man. So I feel so bad for Jeschke. Another I Chicago know. guy, just like me. Uh, I played against him in high school. Yeah, my age. Uh, great career at Loyola. Left a year early to go play pro. Made the Olympic team in 2016. Yeah, um, was playing really well last summer before he tore his ACL in Vienna. And, and uh, had a great season for Verona before. Yeah, had a really good season in the winter of 2018 for yeah, Verona. Yeah, yeah. Tore his ACL in his hometown, Vienna. That really sucked. I was there. I saw it in real life. 
uh, took the whole Italian season off, yeah. came back and was playing really well for the U.S. and VNL and made an incredible defensive play at World uh, Cup, like diving into some obstacles and injured his shoulder on that play and flew home. Yeah, tough, tough break for Jayski. Do you know what the timeline is like? Uh, yeah, him? it doesn't sound serious. Uh, he'll he'll definitely go suit up in Italy this this okay, season, that's good. which is good because he's got some money that he needs to go make over there. Yeah, I was gonna say. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no concerns about his Olympic availability yeah. at all. Okay, it's just kind of bad luck for the guy. He's like putting his body on the line for the team and, mm-hmm. uh, and two my, unlucky injuries. My last question about the USA roster is. Uh, the second middle spot because I, I I thought Jeffrey Jendrick and Mitch Stahl both looked really good, especially Jendrick. That dude is a maybe one of the best athletes we have like in the entire sport. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah so uh, Max Holt is a lock. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah. Uh, Dave Smith has been the, He's still really the lock good. Of, still really good. Uh, this is absolutely his last quad. He's yeah. oh, I think yeah. he's thirty four. I think he's the oldest player on the yeah. roster. Uh, hugely leveled up his game the summer of 2017 i used to not really be high on him until uh i don't know what i don't know what he did but he, yeah, he started but he's, playing he's a million 34 times and he's maintained like his athleticism completely like, yeah hasn't can't say enough good things about dave smith uh and i i expect him to be on this olympic roster mm-hmm. uh, i expect mm-hmm. him to be there which in in the, the way that the u.s traditionally builds their olympic roster leaves only one middle blocker spot Right. And that that could be, honestly, right now a toss up between Jeff Jendrick and Mitch Stahl. Uh, Mitch Stahl, a year or two older, an inch or two or three shorter, um, but both definitely the future of that position for the U.S. Max mm-hmm. Holt's not young; he's in his thirties. Um, Jendrick just out of college, Stahl mm-hmm. a year or two out of college. Uh, both just had incredible World Cups. Stahl, especially, I've been really impressed with that guy this mm-hmm. summer. And I've known for a year or two now that Jendrick is the future of that position for the U.S. So it'll come down probably to the two of them for one Olympic spot, which is too bad. But uh, hopefully, and the same goes for TJ DeFalco if he doesn't make it. I hope it doesn't discourage those guys. Yeah, from it's, it's a hitting. tough blow early on in your career. It really is. It's a tough blow early on. But even Matt Anderson had to deal with that blow. He didn't make the Olympic roster in 08. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then quickly became one of the best yeah. players in the world so uh that's a good blueprint blueprint for these young guys fighting for olympic spots to follow it's it's a nice kind of timing where some guys are going to start aging out another guy uh is the backup cedric vika shoji um this yeah almost yeah. certainly his last quad um i expect him to still be the guy in tokyo next year i, I think so we- as well yeah even though we haven't seen him that much lately, but uh, after that, it could be Mike Amaa, it could be Joe Monique, it could be anyone. Worsley? I actually love Joe Worsley. He's too short, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so USA, you know, I think pretty successful summer. You know, they had their main thing of qualifying for the Olympics. That's really all that. Yep, yeah, USA then... Silver at VNL um, did a lot of roster mixing and matching during mm-hmm. the prelim round of VNL, learned a lot of things about their players, uh, competed for a championship, uh, got blown away by a Russia team playing out of this world, and they were kind of soul-searching for a, like that second pin-hitter spot. Um, qualified for the Olympics, fine. Uh, took a pretty good team and finished third at World Cup. I think, yeah, in general, a pretty successful summer for the U.S., and we don't have to sweat it in January, and our guys can just take their full professional seasons. Yeah. And for Canada, I -hmm. think, uh, did not have the greatest World Cup, but, I mean, missing quite a few of their uh, top guys, including our three first setters, TJ Sanders in Poland, uh, uh, TJ Sanders in Poland, and then... Brett Walsh. Brett Walsh, sorry, and uh, Jay Blank now. Yeah. Uh, So three of our guys, and definitely three guys that I would consider head and shoulders the three best setters in Canada and all, all, all three very competent guys. I agree. Yeah. No question about it. Uh, Ketarakis. Yeah. So we got to, to see a lot of Ketarakis. Yeah. I got to see Ketarakis. He came in and played pretty well. Uh, Canada, by the way, four and seven with 12 mm-hmm. points in the tournament uh, tied with Iran. Um, yeah. I got to see a lot of youth. Uh, Sean Verden Evans played a little bit. Yeah. They're definitely keeping him uh, mostly on the bench. Smart. Yeah. Uh, had this, had his a injury, little, uh... yeah, a little bit of an injury history. Uh, saw some Nick Hogue, saw some weird stuff with liberos. Saw yeah. Steve Marshall, Jason Duraco kind of chasing 
changing Jason DeRocco, who, who I wouldn't even necessarily think of like a defensive guy. No, yeah, <laughs> that was a little bit weird. I saw a bunch of middles. Uh, right. Saw your boy Demianenko get yeah, some touches. Danny Demianenko, I'm glad is finally getting opportunity with this senior team. I think he's uh, he's definitely one of the best, you know, five middles that Canada has right now. Uh, yeah, so, so Canada obviously looking forward to the calendar Olympic quals. That's what January, we talked about yeah. earlier. January in Vancouver. That is the number one, two, and three thing on their calendar right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, so the roster, I think we're going to bring to that. You know, we got Perrin, Marhoog, three outside hitters. The four, if we bring a fourth, you know, DeRocco or Eric Lepke, who I was, you know, I was a bit disappointed that we didn't see him really at all this summer. Uh, I guess he's already back in school for Trinity Western for Canada, but, you know, would have been nice to see him more than I think we saw him, like, for one weekend at VNL. But he's still going to be good, guys. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like our TJ DeFalco, just a yeah. year or two younger. I think I think this year he's poised to set a lot of uh, records in youth sports. Like, I think he's close to setting the all-time ace record, uh, probably the all-time hitting percentage for an outside, stuff like that. I really need to watch some Canadian college volleyball, university volleyball mm-hmm. this year. If I can, I'll talk to you about finding ways for non-Canadians to watch those matches because yeah. there are some really good teams in that league. Yeah, man. for sure. Um, uh, so we saw some Riley Barnes at World Cup. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That was good to see him back. He he's the other guy that maybe uh, could be that fourth spot. He's had a, a quite a few injury problems as well. Kind of a brutal season in Russia where he basically didn't play at all the entire season. Part of yeah. that was due to injury. Part of that was due to like he wasn't playing very well. Um, when he got back, but he's you know he was a guy in our program that was touted as a pretty uh, you know one of the next elite level players and had quite this successful college career too. So we'll see how he plays uh, going forward. And then yeah, I think that I think that's it. Shawan definitely our opposite Ryan Sclater. Um, I liked what I saw from Sclater this summer. Yeah, I think he got the uh, the new new parent card pulled for the uh, World Cup, but uh, he'll certainly. Uh, be a big part of the program. Yeah, great athlete, Ryan Sclater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so Cuba, yeah, get... Cuba's going to yeah. be a tough, tough, tough opponent for sure. Yeah, that one's going to be really interesting to watch in January. Uh... Hopefully, so TJ just... Sanders is back because we actually haven't really seen TJ Sanders. I haven't seen TJ Sanders like at all. I want to say since the 2018 year. World League was the last yeah. time he really was playing for Team Canada. And you know that's a big question mark. If he's taken, that's a lot of time to take off volleyball. So, and I, I considered him one of the top ten setters in the world when he was uh, playing at that time. So, you know that, that that's the big thing for Canada. I think people forget how good Canada is when TJ Sanders is healthy. Yeah, I agree. That that's the biggest question mark. When whenever your team isn't settled at the setter position, uh, there's just so much uncertainty. On like unrest that stems from that and that spider webs into all parts of your team and that's going to be the important thing for Canada mm-hmm. to get locked down so just a couple other questions a couple other topics about the world cup argentina i think was a bit of a, yeah. a nice surprise i mean i've been yeah, hearing first... about just their youth program producing some really good guys for the last few years and i think now we're starting to see okay wow Yes, Argentina finishing in fifth at six and five, 19 points. They beat the USA in the first match of the tournament, which I was really surprised and frankly kind of upset by. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no DiCecco, no Uriarte, uh, no Facundo Conte. Yeah, yeah. A lot of youth. Uh, Bruno Lima was there. They had this tiny little setter flying around all over That's the place. That's what I was referring to yeah. earlier, the guy yeah. showed up in Tony Udi. And Mateus Sanchez. Yeah, Mateus Sanchez. He's 5'8". Uh, 173 on the yeah. roster. That's nothing. Uh, That's crazy. And, and the funny thing is, he's not like a crazy athlete or anything. Like, <laughs> Oh, he's just following the Tony Udi blueprint of if yeah. you can deliver the balls just so, so, so well, they'll just make it work when you're in the front row. Yeah. That's exactly what Argentina did. Oh, your boy Santiago Danani, the libero yeah. spot, I thought played really well. Augustin Loser, I think. I think you don't pronounce it Loser. I think it's uh, like I think Loser. it's probably Loser. But I like uh, saying in Loser. the middle. <laughs> like, yeah, Loser is obviously pretty funny. Uh, Loser in the middle had a really good tournament. He was one of like the the highest scorers of the tournament. As in middle, the middle, which, he... which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, he. I think he led the USA match in scoring in five sets in the middle, which is nuts. But you saw that Sanchez uh, lose. You can tell they've played together quite a bit because they like he feeds the ball perfectly to him. Yeah, we time. couldn't stop that. We couldn't stop that middle connection. And Martin Ramos, the other middle, got Martin all Ramos had another had a really good tournament. Yeah. 
So yeah, uh, Argentina, no joke. They've all already qualified for the Olympics, unfortunately, which means some waste of a team is going to come out of South America. But they are not going to be an easy out when it comes to Tokyo next year. No. Other fun. Also, questions? Japan. That was, that was my next one. Japan. Yeah, man. <laughs> Japan finishing in fourth. Yeah. Uh, a great tournament for the home team. I mean, it definitely helps three. Uh, playing the entire tournament at home. But at home with your A roster, yeah. uh, they beat Russia for maybe the first time ever. Yeah. Yeah, they. I, they're so fun to watch. Like. Yeah, three like, zero Tunisia. They lost to Poland. Oh, let's see. Yeah. They lost but, to the U.S. And they lost to Brazil, and that was it. They beat everyone else. That's a really good tournament for Japan. Yeah, Yuji Nishida, I think, won best best opposite. I, th- uh, I might have to double check, but if, if if not, he probably deserved it because that. Oh man, like I I did a video Dude, YouTube video so on Yuji Nishida, and you know, I guess a, maybe a lot of people were impressed by his performance, kind of in Nations League and stuff, but you know ultimately a novelty that only works within Japan's kind of system. But I think he's just genuinely like an extremely good volleyball player. Yeah, I think he's just straight up a good player. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I have the dream team up here. Yeah. You just see it a best opposite. Yeah. Uh, Alan Souza, MVP, Michael Christensen, best setter, Talia's Haas, best libero, Max Holt, Lucas Sotkamp, middles, Wilfredo Leon, and Yuki Ishikawa, best left sides. So yeah, Ishikawa also a really good tournament for Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah I think I think Yuji Nishida, not a tall dude, super springy, left-handed, just a straight-up good point scorer. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's independent of system. I think he's starting to prove that. Yeah, because in uh, in his Japanese season, he was you know one of the leading scorers of Japan over like some very good foreign talent playing in Japan. So, you know, he, he's. I hope he plays outside Japan soon because like. I think he does too. I hope he does yeah. too. Ishikawa did last year. Yeah, Ishikawa, uh, Yanagita also played yep. outside Japan. Uh, Tachiro Koga, their libero. Still no setters, no medals playing outside Japan. Maybe Yamauchi could will be the next size guy. Size is a yeah, size is a problem for Japan. Yeah. Uh, their their medals get abused pretty hard in the size department. It was nice to see uh, Shimizu back as well. Yep, he was kind of legendary Japanese opposite. Always a fun guy to watch. Kind of has a bit of you know. Always felt like a more stylish kind of player with a lot of flair. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a cult following. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, do you think Japan, after this this World Cup, a little momentum? Do you think they challenge Iran for an Olympic berth, or do you think they're just? Oh, sorry, they're already in the Olympics. It's Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, still, like in in the Olympic context, I don't I don't know if I. Yeah. I mean, see they Japan are playing at home, though, which is nice. Playing at home. Uh, the crowds, by the way, at World Cup were pitiful, except for Japan games when yeah. they were awesome. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. I mean, how much you... It's tough. I mean, there were a few games, I think, that were okay, but I, don't, I just don't think you can have your expectations that high when it's yeah. when, when, when there's neutral teams playing. Yeah. Unless you're Poland playing in the Netherlands, apparently, because every <laughs> single game that Poland played was sold out. That, that's how Poland is, man. It's yeah. a, a volleyball culture that everyone in the world should envy. Yes, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay, so I think that's mostly it for the World Cup. Um, is there any, you know, any other players on, on the other teams that stuck out to you as kind of like interesting uh, new players to watch? Uh, not really. Russia, really disappointing tournament, five and six. Uh, their their setter position is weird to me. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, it is. Ser- Sergey Grankin no longer seems to be in the top two setters in the yeah. Russian pipeline. Um, they were playing just a ton of youth on all the pins pretty much everywhere. This tournament uh, against the U S uh, they had Dmitry Kovalev in setting just wasn't delivering the ball very well. Grankin came in and they I were see- just getting smoked from the service. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they could do. I still think Kovalev might be a little, uh, underrated by the Russian Federation. I love Kovalev. I, I think he's an unbelievable athlete. I love how many plays that guy makes, but just as a pure yeah. setter of no. the ball, he, he has some serious weaknesses. He basically can't set middle, which is a pretty big issue as a volleyball Yeah, player. and as high as he contacts the ball, yeah, actually, he kind of has the James Shaw problem back when James Shaw was setting at Stanford. He would set middles downwards because yeah. he was so tall and he was contacting the ball so high. Like, it's actually kind of hard to run an offense like that. One one hilarious example of that that I noticed was Byron Katarakis, the Canadian setter we were talking about earlier, is six foot seven. 
Uh, yep. Dan- Danny Demianko is six foot four. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, running running that is is a bit of a tough one. Yeah, sure. you don't see that every day. Yeah. Um, you know, centers yeah, are it, getting it only <laughs> it only brought no one. Why would they? What do you think uh, of Dick Coy? Who's of who? Dick Coy, who former player for the Netherlands. Former Netherlands outside hitter, yeah. Yeah, finally got his Italian citizenship, I guess, and you know, might might be a, a player they bring to the Olympics potentially. How old is Dick Coy? I want to say be... he's early thirties. Oh, he's that young? Okay, I thought he was a little older than that. But Maybe. as as we saw in the in Eurovolley a little bit. Uh, the L2 spot, just a massive black hole of a weakness for Italy. Yeah, for uh, sure. So maybe, maybe Dick Coy is the guy. You even saw... I think that's Zaitsev what people are moves. hoping, yeah. Yeah, he even saw Zaitsev move to the left side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a real sign of desperation. Yeah, uh, yeah and maybe uh, some of their young guys can get there in a couple years, but I... I, I don't see it. Not not by next Olympics. Not I, by next Olympics, that's the thing, I right? think Dick Coy might be the band-aid in that spot. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're hoping to. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, Dick Coy on Italy, Poland, you know, kind of use a combination of players. Well, Fredo Leon, I think, is, is, is if you ever get a chance to watch him in person, you have to go see him. I just need like, to uh, do that. The dude's a freak. He is, he makes, he's basically looks like that one player in high school, like, you know, who was just like the superstar, like way better than everyone else. <laughs> But I've seen uh, that. What comes to mind with that is that there's a highlight video of Chase Budinger in yeah, high yeah. school, the uh, guy who played in the NBA for a handful of years and now is playing AVP beach volleyball. But from Southern California, there's just a funny highlight video of him like six inches taller than everyone else, just bombing balls all over the place. It's kind of yeah, like that. Yeah. And Wilfredo Leon is doing that against top international players. The guy is just an animal. Yeah. But I think, you know, World Cup, a uh, fun tournament. It was a bit tough for us because it was on it, you know. 2 to 4 a.m. most nights. So Yeah, it was tough to watch live for sure. A few replays were definitely watched in that tournament. But I think I'm, you know, excited for club season starting yeah, it's this weekend season, pretty much. Gentlemen. You know, not a lot of breaks in volleyball. No, not a lot of breaks in volleyball. These guys maybe a brief stop back in their home countries and then flying overseas to start their pro seasons. Yeah. A lot of teams have are already kind of ahead uh, of the curve. I'm sure many players are just flying straight from Japan. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, uh, what's the what's the first like big thing in the club calendar? Is it Super the Cup Italian in Italy? Super Cup, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a big one. And which I will cover, uh, yeah, coming up soon. Get back into the routine of the podcast. But I think that's going to be it from us today. I think we're going on for close to an hour here. So yeah, that was think... pretty comprehensive. Nice yeah. little wrap up of the international summer, and now we're kind of switching gears. Yep. So if you guys are strictly international volleyball fans, I. I I implore you to, you know, maybe check out some of the club volleyball because it, 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 you can attest, like, it's just as exciting. Oh, it's if awesome. Not, sometimes the talent level on the top teams is even higher than than uh, than some of the international teams. So you guys should definitely check out the Italian Super League, the Russian League, Champions League, lots of Polish good volleyball Polish still League, going uh, yeah. on. It really is There's a year-round a, yeah. sport. Yeah, a lot of great volleyball to watch. Uh, Italy especially is incredibly fun to watch. It's mm-hmm. got probably the best claim for best league in the world right now for sure a uh, lot of money a uh, lot of the, the fan culture is spectacular they uh the rivalry is just really fun stuff to watch it's like everything you want out of your domestic sports league really yeah so rob thank you for joining me on the podcast it was a fun one and everyone else hope you have a good week thanks Thank you.